You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Backhand Podcast. I am your guest host once again, JJ Leahy, filling in once again for Ryan, the Back Daddy. Check us out online at packernet.com and find me on Twitter at JJ Leahy. This is going to be a short one today because uh, I have to be awake again in about a little over five hours, and I don't operate so great on that little amount of sleep. Today's episode is once again sponsored by the Bearded Buck a fantastic Wisconsin-based company. We're going to pick up where we left off yesterday with uh, a question from Robert on Facebook, who asks, what's the biggest difference we should expect with the defensive coordinator change? That's a fantastic question. It's one I have asked a bunch of times. It's one a bunch of people have asked a bunch of times, including smarter people than me. And the problem is we don't really know because we don't know for sure how Joe Barry is going to run this defense. He's been a defensive coordinator twice in Detroit and Washington, and he ran a lot of cover one and cover three. He actually ran cover three about 43% of the time. In your traditional cover three, you got three defensive backs deep. Usually two of those are going to be outside corners, and then you have, what, four linebackers in the middle? However, I keep hearing that Barry really liked and still does like uh, running a three-high safety look. That would mean a change since we really only have two uh, premier safeties on the team. So you're going to look at uh, probably Will Redmond, I would guess, is the next man up. Maybe Vernon Scott. You also have Henry Black in that room as well. I feel like I'm missing somebody. No? We got uh, Christian Uphoff and Innes Gaines. Um, Will Redman, I think, is probably going to get the first look at that third safety, and I'm not thrilled about that because we just haven't seen <laughs> the greatest performances out of Will Redmond. I I like him as a depth guy. I wouldn't love him as as safety three. He did run a 4-3-8, which is very fast, but he, I think, Will Redman is the shortest corner we have. I mean, safety, not quarter. Uh, well, I guess, you know, Darnell's not a tall guy either. They're both 5-11. Innes uh, Gaines is 6-1. Henry Black is 6-foot. So is Adrian Amos. So, I don't know. He's His 2018 rookie season, he graded out at a 66.3, which is decent. Since then, he has been low 50s every year. Henry Black runs a 4.54. He is six foot, 200 pounds. Vernon Scott has a better relative athletic score than um, most of the other guys. He played some quality snaps for us last year, but PFF really did not like him. They gave him a 42 in run defense. His pass rush grade is 81.6, but... You know, the when safeties rush the passer, it's always on a blitz. You would expect them to have a good pass rushing grade. Darnell's pass rushing grade is similar at 79.9, and Adrian Amos is... Uh, his is actually like his only not great grade is 
His overall is at 89.4. His coverage grade is at 91.5, but his pass rush grade is just 66.4. I mean, you'll live with it, I guess, but uh, it's interesting that that's one of his, uh, not one of his strengths. I do expect to see Preston continue to get used, and those outside linebackers are going to be dropping into coverage. Uh, so you are going to see, you know, Pre- Preston covering tight ends and, and running backs. That That is a thing that's going to continue to happen. I think the overall philosophy of the defense is going to be pretty similar to what it was. Here's uh, defensive tackle Ricky Jean-Francois, who did play with Barry back in the day. He says, Joe Barry's not going to be trying to be the more aggressive dude. He's only aggressive when he needs to be. But at the same time, his one biggest thing is he wants his front four to get pressure. That was the biggest thing he emphasized. If he's got DBs in the back end covering, he wants to be able to send that front four and drop seven. That's every defensive defensive coordinator's dream to do. Uh, but I want that dream to come true for him. Now, it's worth noting, since he was last a defensive coordinator, he did coach under Wade Phillips who's extremely aggressive. L.A., like, perennially has great linebackers. And you look at the production that, uh, like, Corey Littleton was getting under Joe Barry. And we got to see when Corey Littleton went over to Las Vegas instead, he was horrible. Barry got his start um, in Tampa. He actually, you know, grew up in the uh, Tampa 2 system. By all accounts, Barry still has not really strayed from that. And if you're not familiar with Tampa 2, a major emphasis of Tampa 2 as, as, a, as a defensive mindset is there is a premium on speed. You want really speedy players. And I think that was pretty well reflected in what we saw in uh, selecting Eric Stokes with the first pick this year. The linebackers, you got uh, typically three linebackers, two corners, and two safeties. It sounds like we're going to be seeing more of like a three three high safety look or maybe uh, two safeties, but then another safety up in the box and two linebackers. That's going to be a thing we're going to talk about in a second here. They need to be blazing fast, and that applies to the linebackers as well. You need... The, those freakishly athletic linebackers in this kind of defense, which is, I think, one of the big reasons why Zayvon Collins was so attractive to Packer fans leading up to the draft. There was already an understanding that you kind of need that kind of linebacker. Uh, we do actually have a couple guys on the roster who fit that description. Um, one of them is Devondre Campbell, who we just picked up, and I think I talked about him yesterday. Maybe it was the day before on this show. I think it was yesterday. Very, very athletic. Uh, I I mentioned that PFF is not a fan of what he has done in the past, and he has not been a super productive linebacker. However, because of his athleticism, um, the scouts that uh, Bill Huber talked to pointed out that Arizona and Atlanta were both putting him in Kind of no-win situations, matching him up against really, really talented um, uh, players in in coverage because he had the athleticism to hang with them. 
my hope is that we're not going to see Joe Barry using Devondre Campbell so much in coverage like that. But where he's really going to shine is in that sideline to sideline, uh, running back and forth, you know, sealing off the edge uh, with some help from whoever's going to be playing the star, uh, the star defensive back, that that nickel DB, which sounds like it's going to be Channon Sullivan. This is all very bad news for Chris Barnes. Chris Barnes is not a super athletic guy. Uh, it's why he went undrafted. He's a very smart player, very cerebral, um, came in his rookie season and really owned that role and captained the defense in an admirable way. Physically, I don't think Chris Barnes is up to the task of of playing linebacker in the way that this style of defense typically calls for. We have another guy who is also a freak athlete at the position, and that is Oren Burks. What is this, year number four for Oren Burks? Can he finally turn it around? Uh, I, I say no, I don't think he can at this point. Um, he's he's like everything that Chris Barnes isn't. If you put Chris Barnes, Chris Barnes' brain and Oren Burks' body together, you'd have like one of the greatest linebackers in the league. Instead, we are left trying to figure out if we can use either one of them in this new defense, and the answer might be no. I'm sure they're still going to find roles for Chris Barnes on defense, but I the, the more I have been reading up and looking into what we can expect from Joe Barry's defense uh, because of this question that we got on Facebook, I really am leaning way more heavily in favor of Devondre Campbell might be the guy. He really might be linebacker one this year. Out of all the linebackers that we have on the roster, Oren Burks was drafted the earliest in the third round. His 40 time was pretty good. He had a, where did it go? I literally just had this up. There we go. He had a 4-5-9 40 time, which for a linebacker is not half bad. Um, Ty Summers was up there as well. He had a 4-5-1, so he's actually our fastest linebacker. Devondra Campbell had a 4-5-8. So those three guys are pretty speedy. Um, Ty Summers. Yeah, I, just, I said Ty Summers. Chris Barnes. Actually, I'm not going to get to Chris Barnes just yet. I want to save that. Kamal Martin ran a 4.82. Uh, he's pretty slow. Chris Barnes ran a 4.79. He's actually faster than Kamal Martin. Bet you weren't expecting that. I sure wasn't. I <laughs> I didn't think that uh, Kamal was going to be that slow. And the Packers actually it sounds like don't agree with his 40 time sounds like the Packers. Let's see. According to so Packers scout, Brandy and Ross pointed out that uh, Kamal actually never ran an official 40 yard dash uh, at the combine because of his knee surgery. However, he, he had a four, eight, two from, I guess earlier in his college career. Maybe this was at a pro day. I'm not sure. And Ross says that the Packers had him as a uh, high 4-5, low 4-6 guy, which is about in line with uh, Ty Summers, Oren Burks, and Devondre Campbell. Any way you slice it, though, Chris Barnes sticks out like a sore thumb. He's just slow. It is worth noting that Ty Summers at the Packers mandatory minicamp 
was back in the fray again, leading the offense. He was taking second linebacker snaps behind Chris Barnes, but you know he kind of came out of nowhere there. He were, I think Ty Summers for me at least is always an afterthought. Like he got Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin. Uh, we obviously talked a lot about Christian Kirksey and Devondre Campbell is supposed to be like the new Christian Kirksey. And then Oren Burks is this uh, constant eyesore on special teams. I like what he does on defense better than I like what he does on special teams, if you can believe it. And Ty Summers is always this afterthought for me. He has, for the last couple of years, been kind of a, a big star in the preseason and then just doesn't get a lot of playing time Um uh, during the regular season, but you got to remember that is under Mike Pettin and uh, Joe Barry is a linebackers coach. So the guy is, I'm sure going to make different decisions than Mike Pettin would. He's going to um, be more interested in all of his linebackers, take the position more seriously. As I was saying, Oren Burks is a third round pick. Devondre Campbell is a fourth round pick. Kamal Martin is a fifth round pick. Uh, Ty Summers is a seventh round pick and Chris Barnes was undrafted. And with the exception of Oren Burks, I think that that's kind of, for the most part, the order you would have to rank these guys when it comes to, uh, the sort of newer style of linebacker that we're expecting Joe Barry's more Tampa two style of defense to be looking for. Now, this is not just the Tampa two. It is also heavily influenced, um, allegedly. <laughs> Again, we, we have not seen Joe Barry coach a defense in like 10 years. Uh, allegedly, he's a disciple of the Vic Fangio tree. Again, you got those sideline to sideline linebackers that are a, a, a big part of that, making that defense work. And this is something uh, Coach Hahn was on the show and he was or let's see, he was on uh, the Daily Cheese, and I asked him about what we could expect to be changing, and he mentioned that our outside zone uh, run defense might really suffer because of exactly this. This style of defense really relies on those linebackers to be the guys getting the job done there, and obviously those middle linebackers are a major liability for the Packers, at least historically. And we didn't really bring anybody in except for uh, Isaiah McDuffie and Devondre Campbell. I do need to take an ad break right now. Probably should have taken one earlier, but whatever. We'll just do a couple of breaks that are kind of closer together here, and uh, I'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So we've kind of gotten the most information about what the defense is looking like so far from Adrian Amos, who... If you've never watched a an Adrian Amos press conference, he doesn't say a lot. Usually he's kind of a laconic guy, uh, but he was praising Joe Barry's uh, system, saying that there's there's some similarities, but he said there's different terminology and different concepts. He said that this excited me. I feel like it's going to translate well onto the field. It's not that big of a transition. I know for me personally, I'm familiar with a lot of the things that he does, and there's a lot of carryover between what we did last year and this year, but there may be some differences in how plays are called or certain concepts and things like that. At the end of the day, football is still football. I think we should definitely be expecting to see a step back on defense to start the season. Uh, Sounds like everybody is kind of struggling a bit to learn the new terminology they're trying to keep stuff as as similar as possible to last year but Kenny Clark highlighted that a lot of the terminology has changed he said that the coaches keep trying to explain okay this is what we did last year and we're just calling that same thing this this year which you're going to get a bit of every year because they do have to reinvent the scheme a bit and and use some different terminology so that Uh, opposing offenses can't just read exactly what you're trying to do but something Kenny pointed out which is fantastic and it's something that I was excited about really early on other than swapping out Mike Pettin for Joe Barry every single position coach is the same so you got all the same coaches you're familiar with who have a history with you Jerry Montgomery is continuing to work with Kenny Clark has been for years and they're all caught up, to speed, caught up to speed on the new terminology, and they're helping to explain it to the players, and they're players that they're very familiar with. Kenny said they, that the defense is still able to uh, already be building off of concepts that they were working on last year and taking those to the next step. That's great. Sounds like Kenny is a big fan of the scheme and the new stuff that they're doing, which to me would suggest that it probably is a more aggressive front you know, those are the, the front four, which would be great. Would love to have that happen. Kenny and Preston both slimmed up. They lost a lot of weight that, uh, over the past year. And who was it? Was it Mike Smith, I think, was the guy who pointed out that the Packers as an organization do think that a big part of Preston's struggles last year had to do with him being overweight. He's very skinny now, and so is Kenny Clark. Kenny does not look like a defensive tackle right now. He looks like a, a D end. Dude is skinny. I mean, he's still got like muscles for days, but in terms of, I mean, the, the dude does not have a gut right now. I would really like to see um, 
see Kenny's pass rush I- improve again this year and, and get back to where he was a couple years ago. Uh, which reminds me, and I guess I don't expect you to see the uh, jump in logic that my brain just made here, but um, another part of that Tampa 2 defense is that tackling is a big deal. All right, so you, you kind of have a little bit more of a scheme where guys are out on islands. So you got you know the linebacker or uh, you know your your defensive lineman. They don't have as much help from their teammates. It's more of a spread out offense or defense, and that first tackle has to be really good. From what we've heard out of. Uh, minicamp tackling has been a big emphasis. Um, what in the world is the name of our uh, linebackers coach? Always slips my mind. Olavadati, I think. Yeah, Kirk Olavadati. I didn't look it up. I just remembered it. Uh, he, in particular, has been harping on tackling being a big deal, which I'll believe it when I see it. It is something you kind of hear every year, but I, I did appreciate hearing Olavadati talking about how frustrated he was watching the uh, tackling last year, which was a big, big issue for the defense. And it sounds like uh, something that Joe Barry is emphasizing, because if you can't tackle well, the defense is just not going to work. If you can tackle well, and if you got linebackers that can get out to the edge quickly and, and seal that off and shut down those outside zone runs, this is a very lethal defense. And we should know because the Chicago Bears have been running it against us for quite a while. Uh, This is exactly the defense that we were scared of uh, under Vic Fangio, and we celebrated when he left the division. This is what uh, Matt LaFleur has attempted to bring to Green Bay. But you really need that elite talent in order to make this happen. When Joe Barry was the defensive coordinator in Detroit and in Washington, he had like no talented players at all. I believe he did work with Will Blackman and uh, that would have been in uh, Detroit. Is that right? No, Washington. Uh, This was the tail end of uh, Blackman's career in Washington. And he also in Washington had Preston Smith outside of those two guys. He had nobody on either of those teams, either of those teams who were like, starter quality like their their best players would have been about Chris Barnes level of talent and you had horrific defenses I mean these were like routinely the worst defenses in the league the Lions finished dead last both years that Joe Barry was the defensive coordinator the include which included the year that the team went 0-16 and Washington finished 28 in total defense both those years they did rank number 17 in scoring defense in the 2015 season, but in, in total defense, they were 28th. That is a picture of how bad it can be when you don't have elite players. I am not scared of that this year. We have elite players at pretty much every level. Uh, definitely the biggest weakness there would be the linebackers, but he is a linebackers coach, so that's fantastic he should be able to tell LaFleur and Gutekunst by looking at his guys in practice and seeing what, what they're made of, whether they can execute what he needs. And if not, that's on him to, um, to correct that. Sounds like that probably is why they brought in Devondre Campbell 
You know, we had the reports that uh, Chris Barnes and Ty Summers were um, taking turns at that linebacker one spot for a few days. Um, I guess, I guess a, a week probably before they went out and got Devondre. So those guys had opportunities to win the jobs. And it really sounds, as far as I can tell, it looks like Devondre is probably going to be linebacker one. All right, I'm going to take our second ad break. Uh, I know that the two breaks are pretty close together, but that's because I took the first one so late. This is about where I should be taking the second one anyways. So I'll be right back and I got a couple more defensive things to take a look at. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I want to ask a question about the front four of the Packers and of the Rams. The Rams have very seldomly been without Aaron Donald in the last couple of years. Certainly under Brandon Staley, he pretty much always had Aaron Donald with the exception of the game against the Packers in the playoffs when Donald was hurt pretty badly after, what was it, tripping over um, Russell Wilson? <laughs> Uh, and he, he like tore his, uh, stomach muscles or something. I don't remember what it was because partly because they didn't actually tell us for sure what happened. And we were just kind of guessing but a big part of the question is how much of the Rams success on defense was a result of Aaron Donald. Well, the Packers exploited that defense pretty effectively when Donald was not at hundred percent there. So it's a pretty fair question to ask, is that a a massive part of why that defense was able to work? And who do the Packers have (laughs) on their own D-line who could ascend to Aaron Donald levels of success? Well, there's only two options. That would be Kenny Clark and Zadarius Smith. We know that Zadarius was used, what did they call him, a rover? They they called him a rover. under Mike Pettin, they used him a lot where he would just kind of float around. He didn't really have it assigned spot. He'd walk back and forth. And a lot of the time he would end up in the middle of the defensive line. That's something to note about Zadarius. He's actually one of the smallest guys on the defensive line, which might be surprising to you. But let me read off the weights of everybody else. Kenny Clark, 314. TJ Slayton, 330. As far as I know, these are the up-to-date weights. Uh, after after Kenny Clark and uh, Preston lost weight. So it's 314 for Kenny, TJ's 330, Dean Lowry, 296, Zadarius, 272, Preston, 265, he lost a lot of weight, Rashawn Gary, 277. Um, so those linebackers obviously are a lot um, lighter than the uh, D lineman. That's not a surprise, but even when we're looking at height, it kind of comes into play too. Now, Kenny Clark is the shortest guy, but he's also the second heaviest. So he's six foot three. TJ Slayton is six foot four. Dean Lowry is six, six. Rashawn is six, five. Preston six, five. Zadarius is six, four. When you look at the combination of his height and weight, he is the smallest, uh, guy there. So when it comes to, 
some of the looks that they might be going up against. Uh, Zadarius is a little bit of a disadvantage, disadvantageous matchup. Worth noting, by the way, Matt LaFleur came away from that game so impressed with the Rams' defense, even with Aaron Donald being pretty much absent, that he tried to poach two of their guys for his next defensive coordinator. Uh, there was uh, Ejiro Evero, was uh, the defensive backs coach, and then Joe Barry was their linebacker coach. And it's worth noting that the Rams do not uh, prioritize traditional linebackers in the draft either. They kind of go for hybrid players. Uh, they, As far as I can think of, they never used any top 100 picks on linebackers. But they did use their safeties, Taylor Rapp and John Johnson, very similar to linebackers, which it sounds like, by the way, we're going to see some of that from Adrian Amos. They've already been putting him in the box in minicamp. In years past, we had another guy who I think would have been a perfect fit here, but he would have been a perfect fit in the Mike Pettin defense as well. And he never played for Mike Pettin for the same reason that he is no longer on the team. And that is, of course, Raven Green. But first, you do need that front four to be able to get pressure. If you're having to take uh, your linebackers or your safeties and bring them in on blitzes, it makes the overall philosophy of the defense, which is rush four and drop seven, a lot less effective. Now, there's another idea that I have, and I don't think the Packers are really considering this. We haven't heard boo about it. But Rashawn Gary did play a substantial amount of his snaps at Michigan along the D-line. He was uh, primarily a defensive end. I I believe his uh, sophomore and junior years, he was just listed as a D-lineman. He would occasionally play tackle. I've never understood the move to outside linebacker for Gary. I would kind of rather see him uh, play more hand in the dirt. But you also got to remember that the way that the Packers traditionally use their outside linebackers is just as edge rushers. Zedarius, Preston, and Rashawn are all going to be part of that front four. The difference we're talking about here is whether they're playing stand-up football or hand in the dirt. But you are going to have, next to Kenny Clark, you're always going to have uh, probably Dean Lowry, uh, probably Kings Kiki, or maybe you'll see TJ Slayton get worked in there. I think he's definitely going to be buried behind Kings Kiki uh, and Dean Lowry. Usually you got uh, Kenny Clark just soaking up the interior of that defensive line. You got uh, your your DNs there helping him out. You got the outside linebackers coming in. This is usually what pri- primarily comprises your front four in Green Bay. I don't expect that to be any different here. The Packers really don't like to uh, go big and heavy with with, uh, two D tackles um, too much, except for in those obvious run situations, which there's just not a lot of obvious run situations. Outside of the NFC Championship game, where it just didn't seem to matter what uh, defense they ran, you know, they put their base defense out there and they still were not slowing down the 49ers on the ground. Same thing with uh, Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara last year. Overall, a big reason why you don't see large changes coming from the hiring of Joe Barry is because they hired the guy who already really perfectly fit what they were already doing. The 
defense that they were trying to build for Mike Pettin is very, very similar, especially player-wise, talent-wise, to the defense that Joe Barry wants in terms of those players. And even when it comes to those speedy linebackers, look, this is still how the Packers have always been drafting anyways. That's always been... If, if you don't know that the that Brian Gutekunst and the rest of the scouts really heavily prioritize athleticism, then you have not been paying attention to the draft in Green Bay. I do definitely want to dispel, and I think for the most part, listeners of this podcast are already aware of this, but I want to just, since we're talking about it, dispel the myth that this is going to be a more zone-heavy defense. I don't think that's the case at all partly because the Packers were already incredibly zone-heavy, despite what we kind of thought anecdotally, that it was a very man-heavy defense. That was not the case. does seem, if we're going to be imitating what L.A. did, last year they would frequently have Jalen Ramsey uh, in man coverage and the rest of the defense was playing zone. This is a concept that Coach Hahn has talked about, and he has already said he thinks that the Packers are probably going to adopt more of that. On the whole, the Rams played a lot of zone, and I think that really is where, I mean, they they were one of the most zone-heavy defenses in the league, and I think that is where the perception has come from that the New Packers defense is going to be more zone-heavy. But there's a lot that goes into it beyond just man and zone. I mean, you gotta look at the coverages they were calling. So the Rams last year played cover three the most of any coverage. They played more cover four football uh, than anybody else in the league. They mixed up cover one and cover six like over and over and over again. So although they were 80-20 zone man, they were one of the most diverse defenses in the league. On third downs, they tended to bring those those uh, five-man uh, pressures pretty consistently. They were looking to create one-on-one matchups uh, rather than just the overload blitzes or the double A-gap blitzes. So I think on third down, look to see Jair or, uh, or Adrian Amos being used kind of surprisingly in uh, on those blitzes. And, you know, as much as we know that the Packers offense really likes to disguise what they're doing pre-snap, uh, the this defense is going to do the same thing. But I do think the thing I'm most excited about with this defense is seeing them get the job done with these mediocre linebackers because the Rams don't have good linebackers either, and it didn't hold them back. If you look at where they rank defensively and where they ranked in terms of the packages they played. For example, you look at at running a light box. The Rams were the most, they ran the most light boxes of the year. Uh, They were like over 80%, and the Broncos were the second most. Why do we care about the Broncos? Well, because that is where Vic Fangio went after leaving the Bears. The Bears and Broncos have always had very competent linebackers. The Rams do not have a or did not have a competent linebacker last year and it didn't hurt them at all. So you're taking their linebacker coach and bringing him to Green Bay and the hope is he's going to get the job done with the linebackers that we have. They did it in LA. They played a bunch of sub packages. They still stopped the run very effectively. No question that the defensive line needs to step up. I think you look at the their evolution over the last couple of years 
has been kind of wonky. They the uh, Penton's first year, the D line was pretty stout, and it has just kind of gone backwards each year. A lot of that seems to have correlated with Kenny Clark specifically, and and the quality of his play. So you'd like to see him take a step forward again. And from that quote I read earlier, it's nice to see that he is excited about what this new defensive scheme looks like and the new wrinkles that they are adding in, the new concepts. That paired with him losing weight. I mean, not that you ever really want to hear that your defensive tackle is losing weight, but how often do you hear that guys come in, you know, and you hear, oh, yeah, they, they, he's, he's put on some uh, extra muscle or, or he's put on a little bit of weight and then ended up playing even as good as he previously did, let alone better. It just doesn't happen. Uh, Aaron Jones, the year that he slimmed down in 2019, lost all of all of his extra little bit of weight. He exploded onto the scene with, what, 19 touchdowns. Yes, I did just compare running back to defensive tackle. Shut up. Look, I'm looking for reasons to be optimistic, and I think there are plenty of them. I think maybe the biggest reason to be excited is that we already had a very talented defensive roster and they were not bought in anymore to what Petten was doing that was it was very evident we heard all last year about the displeasure with that the players had with Petten Barry is a players coach he also comes in with a clean slate sounds like the players really like him and are are hyped up on what he is bringing into the room this year that in and of itself could be the biggest difference uh, plus, if Joe Barry is a slightly better situational play caller than Mike Pettin, I think that right there is also another thing that can elevate this defense to the next level. And it was actually a very good defense last year. The problem last year was not that the defense was bad. They were a top 10 defense. The problem was they were underperforming for the amount of talent that they had. So the hope here is that Joe Barry is not squandering the talent that we have, that he is calling better plays, that the players are more bought in, that he is running things that are better suited to those players. I do expect it to be a slow and uh, maybe rocky start to the season. Remember, we're opening against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Kamara gave us one of our worst showings last year in week three. I would expect him to probably break out in week one. Uh, not that you weren't already going to try to, but go ahead and, and pick up uh, Alvin Kamara in fantasy and, and play him in week one if you can get him. Uh, <laughs> but I would expect the defense, uh, at least by the halfway point in the season, to have really kind of found their identity, found their groove, and really really be clicking. And, and a big part of what makes the defense work is guys working in tandem together, being on the same page. That's just going to come with time. So if they come out in week one, week two, week three even, and they look like garbage, just don't don't be busting out the Fire Joe Barry signs and the FireJoeBerry.com and all that just yet. <laughs> Give it some time. Uh, they, they are these, these growing pains are to be expected. All right, I'm going to wrap it up and head out of here. You all have a fantastic uh, Monday, and I will talk to you all soon. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs>